On today's Locked On Jayhawks, we go over the Kansas loss to the Texas Longhorns and also a little recap of KU basketball's win over Southern Utah. You are Locked On Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Derek Johnson. Thanks for making Locked On Jayhawks your first listen every day. Uh, We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You can also subscribe to us and find us on YouTube. You can also find me 3 to 6 Monday through Friday on Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN in Lawrence. And on today's edition of Locked On Jayhawks, we recap the, the KU blowout loss to Texas. We recap the KU tight win over Southern Utah in basketball. Let's start off with the football side of things. KU never really in the game against Texas. I guess there there was a brief moment in time where it felt like, hey, maybe they had a shot. They forced Texas to punt on the first drive. They almost hit the deep ball to Quentin Skinner. Uh, also, when it was, I believe, uh, 17-0 uh, or 14-0 when KU had the touchdown to Jared Casey that ended up being reversed for kind of a bad call of an ineligible man downfield. Um, and then you missed the field goal. That would have made it 17 to. Seven with the touchdown, 17 to three with the field goal. You give up the late touchdown at the end of the half where even if it was 24 to nothing, still kind of felt like you were out of it with the way you couldn't stop the run. But the way you give up that last second touchdown after they just run all over you down the field as they did really all game long, um, at least you had in the back of your mind if it was 24 nothing. Hey, we were down 28 to three to Baylor at half. That's even bigger than we'd be down here. And we came back and made it a game and it was a one score game late in the fourth quarter. With the Texas game, they got that touchdown. So uh, from there, didn't really ever feel like KU had a shot in this game. And it's because they ran all over you. They ran for over 400 rushing yards. That continues to be a negative trend for this defense of having bad games against the run, whether it was last year or this season. The first five games this season looked like the run defense might have been solved. They were good against Oklahoma State as well. But the other games, it has been kind of a mess. And that was the crown jewel of the run defense games in a negative light for the KU defense against Texas. Certainly the weather uh, being cold, you thought may have been actually a good thing for for Kansas. I think it certainly impacted some of the passing game with Quinn Ewers and Jalen Daniels a bit. But even though Quinn Ewers didn't really have a big game, he did hit a couple big passes, even though he wasn't called upon very often. It just didn't matter because Texas dominated on the line of scrimmage on I would say probably a little bit of both ends, more so on the offensive line uh, against KU's defensive line, who struggled to get push. Kansas only had two tackles for loss in the game, didn't get any sacks. Obviously, there weren't a ton of throwing opportunities to get sacks in the game. And B. John Robinson looked like the absolute stud, All-American, All-Conference player, first-round pick, whatever tag you want to give him running all up against your defense. It was uh, certainly a disappointing effort for Kansas. You're talking about senior day and I didn't think it was a great crowd uh, attending for KU. It wasn't a bad crowd. I mean, if you would have put that crowd for any game last year, you would have been like, wow, what a turnout for Kansas. So from that standpoint, it was a positive. But if you compare it to like the sellouts, it wasn't a great crowd. It wasn't super loud. And obviously Kansas didn't give them a lot of reasons early in the game to be super loud along the way. But certainly when you have a coach who has been brought up in all these different job rumors for Nebraska and Wisconsin and whatnot, for you not to sell out and show out on senior day, probably not great overall. But again, Kansas performance didn't really warrant one that, uh, you know, can you believe there wasn't as much fan support and all that stuff, right? Uh, you were never really in the game. As I mentioned, it was cold weather and all that stuff. And um, just 
by far the the worst performance of the season for Kansas. Every other game, they had been at least, you know, some resemblance of competitive in. Like, you could say the Oklahoma game, like, yeah, it ended as a 10-point game, but that game was never really felt like Kansas was, like, in it, in it. But at least they kept it, you know, they, they hung around, I guess, so to speak. You never even hung around in this game. You never had that moment where you went on a big run to maybe make things a little bit interesting there. And uh, for that standpoint, it is one of the more disappointing losses of the short Lance Leipold tenure. But guess what? That's almost a... Like, I, I don't want to say, oh, it's a good thing that they lost, you know, by 40 points to Texas. But to the standpoint of now that we're at a point where, you know, it's a big deal and it's it feels very disappointing for KU to get blown out. It's no longer apathy, right? That was the the problem, the hurdle that was approaching past Kansas teams. It was apathy. It was, I don't care, whatever. I'm just going to leave. I'm done with this. Like, I'm not going to pay attention to this. Let me know when something changes. Now, the the reaction to this is, Oh, what's going on? What's wrong? Why didn't they adjust to this? Why did this or that happen? Like that sucks. I hated that. That was annoying. All that stuff. It's no longer apathy, which which is a good thing that you have that now. Even though, like I said, the the result itself was not a good thing, but the trend that the program is going on certainly is a good thing. And it ended the the streak of I mentioned this last week with Texas Tech. Every opponent you had played this year that you played last year, you played better this season except for TCU, which, again, TCU is a lot better this year than they were last year. Blah, blah, blah. I've said that so many times. Um, that obviously did not happen with Texas, who you beat by a point last year, and now you got blown out this season. I would imagine, by the way, for Texas, hearing about – I know I mentioned this in the week leading up – hearing all the jokes about Kansas beating you and whatnot for a year for a very talented football team, and they had to win out their final two games to have a chance at the Big 12 title game – and they just lost to TCU, yeah, that's kind of a pissed-off football team, and uh, that's not always fun to play when they have all that talent in the world. Um, but this does happen, right? Even to teams who are middling football teams, which is kind of where Kansas is. Like, Kansas is a middle-of-the-big-12 type of team, um, and that's not meant as, like, a negative. That's honestly a positive from where KU has been. Be a middle-of-the-pack team because that means you're going to bowl games. That means you're winning six-plus games in a season, right? But for those types of teams – there's a reason those types of teams win five, six, seven games because they're imperfect because they have ups and downs throughout the season, right? That's the big difference. And you look across the Big 12, like other teams that are bowl eligible who have five, six, seven wins along the way this season have gone through one or two of those results that Kansas just had. And again, it's not me excusing it or saying that it's okay or that you shouldn't strive to do better than that or avoid that because you absolutely should strive to do better than that. And it was disappointing that it happened. But I guess what I'm saying is reality check. This does happen, especially for a team that just was two and 10 and has worked their way to bowl eligibility. And even for teams, Oklahoma State, uh, who was ranked in, in the latest college football playoff rankings and, you know, bowl eligible themselves. That's a team that lost by a billion points to Kansas State. Baylor lost by like 30 points to Kansas State. Uh, West Virginia, who won't be bowl eligible anymore, but that's a four win team who could become a five win team, hypothetically, if they uh, were to win their last game. Like, they got blown out by Baylor. Oklahoma got housed by TCU. Like, you go down the list, all these teams who are kind of in the middle pack of the Big 12, they have one or two games where they were blown out by somebody else, and that was KU's first of the season. So, again, it's not something that you strive for and just completely excuse and say, yeah, it happens. And from a coaching standpoint, obviously you don't. But for me sitting here and evaluating where the program's at, that's kind of what I'm doing. Like it happens to some of these teams. You just hope it doesn't happen successively against your rival next week against Kansas State. Certainly, uh, the quarterback, uh, 
I don't know, conversation is interesting with KU. Jalen Daniels, the stats look pretty good at the end of things, uh, but certainly he didn't look the same, wasn't able to run as much. We saw Jason being late. Clearly he was, you know, nursing sort of injuries over the course of the week in practice and whatnot is what Lance Leipold said uh, in the post game afterwards. And, and KU kind of had to deal with that. And um, Texas is a very talented team and you played a bad game and you didn't adjust well enough. You didn't play enough. Like there's no excuses I can have. Um, but also at the end of the day, if we're doing big picture stuff, Kansas is still bowl eligible. You still have a, an opportunity this week to try to beat your rival for the first time in a while. Although that looks, uh, I don't know, quite tough to say the least after the way the Texas just ran all up and down you, but the, the, the struggles to the quarterback position mean injured just change things so much too in, in what Kansas can do and running the triple option game and running the quarterback and. I just wonder if we won't see that again until the bowl game or maybe next year. Maybe the bowl game gives you enough time off in between that, you know, we we see uh, Jalen Daniels get back to, to full health because uh, whether it was his decision or a coaching decision not to have him run as much, like certainly that was uh, a key component of the game that KU wasn't able to do this this go around. But in the end, disappointing result. One of the more disappointing ones we, we've seen over the past couple of years and, and certainly this season. But at the end of the day, big picture. Things are going to be okay. All right. Uh, this episode of Locked on Jayhawks is brought to you by Simply Safe. Did you know that over the holidays, property crimes like burglaries and package thefts spike nationally? That's why our friends at Simply Safe Home Security are offering 50% off award winning security system so that more families can feel safe and secure this holiday season. Order your Simply Safe system for half off today and enjoy advanced security and greater peace of mind this holiday season. Here's why I love it. I am, you know, you're constantly on your phone and uh, you have different apps that are super easy to use and you want something that's easily accessible to be able to use this stuff as opposed to having to, oh, I got to go on my computer and log in and see what's going on. No, you can just pull up the app on your phone and with the Simply Safe advanced technology, you can watch the crystal clear HD live stream of your security camera. You can also see the wide variety of high tech sensors all from your phone or your app. So if you're out of town for whatever reason, you're going to a Kansas away game or going to a bowl game or you're out of town for Christmas, you can check on things from your security camera. And also if you know someone comes up and steals a package off your front porch, well, guess what? We got them recorded now. Simply Safe was named the best home security of 2022 by U.S. News World Report a third year in a row. In an emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agents used Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so you can get priority police responses as well. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system I recommend. Get 50% off a new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked on college. This is their biggest discount of the year. So don't wait. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on college. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Goats of the week for KU football. And then we'll get on to our KU basketball recap with the Southern Utah game. Uh, the good goats. How about Quentin Skinner? I thought he played a really good game, had four catches. Um, the, the first one would have been such a tough grab because you're diving full out for it. And if that ball's a foot less, it's a much easier catch. It was still a pretty good throw by Jalen. Um, but by diving to get to the ball, which he had to do, that makes you land on it. And it, it makes it really hard to hold on because then the ball kind of squirts out and it becomes more difficult there. But he was really good. Uh, again, showed the connection with Jalen. We saw him get open on a, another deep ball in the second half that Jalen hit him on. Uh, he had a couple tight window throws, one over the middle of the field, another kind of on the outside. Quentin Skinner was really good. And it was nice to see that on the outside uh, for the big receiver for Kansas. 
I have, I don't know. This this is basically just an excuse for me to talk about Jalen Daniels, but I will say some Jalen Daniels flashes are in good goat of the week. The entire performance does not. There was the first throw of the game that very easily could have been a pick or a pick six, if not for the inclement weather that made it difficult to like the ball in those conditions when it's that cold and when it's a drier day and there's wind and stuff, it becomes very slick. And that's what led to the first play not being an interception. So I do wonder, because you didn't just see Jalen Daniels struggle. You also saw Quinn Ewers, the quarterback for Texas, struggle, how much that had an impact on the passing game. I do think that was a part of it. Uh, But certainly with Jalen, we did see some flashes. The throw over the middle to Quentin Skinner in between tight coverage, he zipped that one. There was also one on the sideline to Quentin Skinner, as as previously mentioned, that he zipped that one through as well. so you did see some flashes. You saw those two deep balls. The first that was incomplete to Skinner um, was still a pretty good throw. And then the next one to Skinner downfield in the second half, like you saw some flashes of the Jalen of old in the, in the live arm. We'll get to the bad goat part. I guess I'll just do it right now in conjunction, but um, there certainly were some bad parts about it as well, though. Like overall, for the majority of the game, you didn't see as much zip on the arm. You didn't see as much power on some of the throws, which is a little bit worrisome, but it could just be him shaking off the rust. And uh, maybe we see it against Kansas State look 100%. Maybe we don't. I would think by the bowl game. If it's not by the bowl game, that might be a little bit alarming there. Um, but I, I don't know for sure with, with that injury and, and what he's dealing with and whatnot. Uh, but I mean, Overall, statistically, good Jalen Daniels game. As far as the impact, some of the struggles early on, it was just kind of a, a mad game. It wasn't like a, a bad game, and very easily he could have had even better stats, right? If the Jared Casey touchdown doesn't get called off, now he has three touchdowns, one interception. He's looking at, I don't know, around 240 yards, something like that, and, and the stats would, would probably look a lot better. Uh, I will say that, like, I don't know that I want to totally give it to the pass blocking because there were some times that – Jalen Daniels had to use his mobility to get away from pressure. I'll just say like pass blocking ish slash Daniels mobility on passes, basically KU's avoidance of sacks. I did think the pass blocking was pretty solid for KU. There were a few times, like I said, where either Texas blitzed or where they maybe did get a little bit of pass rush. And then Daniels was able to use that mobility to kind of skate by. Um, But overall, no sacks allowed to the team who came in first in the big 12 in sacks on the defensive end. That's all I got for good goats this week. It uh, was not a ton of them for Kansas. Let's get to the bad. I guess we can start with the quarterback stuff. Um, as I mentioned, it wasn't all great from Jalen. He had uh, the interception that was bad with with KU kind of going into the end zone. He had the, the first one that very easily could have been an interception. Uh, but beyond that, I think the lack of quarterback running game, and maybe you would just tie this in and say the the bad goat here is QB health because Jason Bean did come in late, but he was battling injuries all week long in practice. And so Kay didn't have a ton of faith there with Jalen. Clearly it was affecting some of his throws in terms of maybe not being as hard and, and maybe some of the fundamentals or his throwing motion was a little bit different and may have altered some passes and made some passes more inaccurate than we're used to. Like there was a little out route, a few yards downfield that he missed on the second or third drive of the game. Uh, He threw a couple over the middle that just kind of sailed on him or or missed short. So um, clearly that was an issue, but the lack of QB running game was, was prime in that. And I don't know if that was Jalen just trying not to take hits. I don't know if that was the coaches trying not to set him up for hits. I don't know if it was, you know, forget the read option and the triple option game. We're just going to have design runs. Like these are going to be design gives that we're going to give off, but Kansas 
is such a different offense when they have the uh, the, the quarterback runs involved in the offense. It just it, it completely changes how a defense has to go up, uh, about kind of defending things on the other end. And KU didn't really have that in this game against Texas, probably because of the QB health. Uh, I, I will say, like, plenty of credit for Jalen Daniels for gritting it out. And again, overall, like, statistically, it was a good game for him. Um, but certainly there were some things that were lacking from the earlier guy we saw this season that was a Heisman candidate. Uh, the biggest bad goat, just the defense in general, back-to-back weeks here, you give up over 50 points to Texas. More than anything, though, you give up over 400 yards on the ground. You never had a chance at winning this game with the way that you were defending the rushing game. You just couldn't do anything against them. Bijan Robinson ran all over you. Their offensive line was getting uh easy push on your defensive line. They were getting up to the second level. KU was missing tackles. They were taking bad angles. Bijan Robinson was just able to cut all around the field, juke by guys. It was uh, an impressive performance by him in the Texas offense, but certainly not one to be proud of for the KU defense on that end. They did have a, a couple um, throws downfield that they gave up that I think maybe prevented Brian Borland from going, hey, let's just stick eight guys in the box and we'll leave guys on the island on the outside consistently like they did do it sometimes. And then Texas kind of hit them sometimes. Uh, we saw the screen game come in play. And, and again, Kansas inability to on like third down and long, or I, I would even go above that on basically plays where you have a lot of yards to give up and they just give them all up. Like the third down and goal, I think from like the 15, they get a touchdown on a receiver screen. Like that cannot happen after it had just happened against Baylor a couple weeks ago. Um, at the end of the first half, Texas had the ball at what? The Kansas 25-yard line with 10 seconds left. And they ran the ball to Bijan Robinson for a play to get to the one that allowed them to go for it on the final play of the half and score a touchdown. Like those things cannot happen, especially on simple plays just like that. But they have consistently happened to Kansas really these last two weeks and a lot over the course of this season. Uh, bad goat, inability to finish drives. You had a couple drives that resulted in no points that you moved the ball well. Part of that is the field goal kicking, which we saw a new kicker in there, which was certainly interesting on the PATs. Jacob Borchilla continues to really struggle as a field goal kicker for KU. Uh, the refs deserve a bad goat. Obviously, it didn't impact the game. Texas was winning that one way or another. But maybe it could have been the difference in Kansas, you know, feeling a little bit better about themselves, having a more competitive game with that call there. The one that Bijan Robinson just straight up pushes, uh, I think it was Melo Dotson from behind. Like, if Melo Dotson does that to a receiver, it's the easiest pass interference call in the world. But they never call it with offensive PI. That one seemed very obvious. How did they not call it? So uh, some things that, you know, didn't go KU's way. But at the end of the day, didn't impact the result at all. Uh, did I mention the defense for bad goats for KU in this one? Because that uh, would certainly be up there. All right. In a moment, we are going to uh, recap the Kansas Southern Utah game from Friday night on the basketball court. Kansas escaping from the Thunderbirds. But first, this episode of Locked on Jayhawk is brought to you by Nissan. And this week's thrilling moment in college football brought to you by Nissan. The thrilling designs behind the new lineup from Nissan are intended to empower drivers and vehicles as capable as the drivers themselves. When I think of unbelievable abilities on the field for this week's thrilling moment, and not as many to choose from this week, I, I, I want to pick the Jared Casey one, even though it didn't count. Can I just pick that one? I, I'm going to, whatever. Kansas lost by like 40 points because for that brief moment of time before the late flag came in and they called it against KU, even though the ineligible man downfield was only two yards down the line of scrimmage instead of uh, what he's allowed to be, which I believe is three, so it should have been a legal play. Um, 
that was an awesome play. A Jalen rolling left. There's vintage Jalen throws it on the run, hits Jared Casey. He dives in for the pie line. You're like, oh, Texas is having Jared Casey PTSD. I know it didn't count, but that brief moment in time when it felt like it did, and it felt like, hey, Kansas is back in the game. It's 17-6. A couple years ago, we saw him come back from 17-0 against Texas Tech here. Like, they're back in this. And then it dissipated. But for that brief moment in time, it was a very exciting moment. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. Okay, finishing things up with uh, some KU basketball takeaways recap from the Southern Utah game. Certainly Kansas pushed further than you thought they would. Southern Utah is a team that can definitely give opponents challenges. They play small a lot of the time. They do have one good center, a big man, but they play a lot of six, 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 seven guys at the five. They spread the floor. They like to play fast. They score a lot. Came into that game averaging over 100 per game, albeit three of their four games were against non-D1 opponents, and they can shoot the ball really well from the outside. It was a weird game because you looked up at the box score at the end, and you're like, you know, none of these numbers are like outside of the offensive rebounding are like horrible for Kansas, but they only won by six. But you had two banked in threes from Southern Utah. You get out rebounded on the offensive glass, I think 14 to six. You had one more turnover than them. You struggled shooting at the free throw line. If you tighten up some of those things, all of a sudden it becomes, you know, maybe a 15 point game in that one. But uh, Jalen Wilson, unbelievable, continues to look like an All-American. And that was the type of game that he looked like a national player of the year candidate. 33 points, just taking over for the game for KU late. And how about Grady Dick, man? He's He's got a pair on him, dude. He uh, Whether he's struggling defensively or coming off the bench, like the Duke game at the end, like he he does not worry about what happened in the past. He's, he's firing. He's ready to go. And he hits that big three when it's 77-76 to kind of put it out of reach to 80 to, to 76. And yes, there are certain worries I have about him because he's kind of struggled a bit defensively in that game as well. Uh, but overall, you got to love the duo of him and Jalen Wilson on the offensive end of the court. Kansas is going to have to develop other guys to, to be go-to scores for you. Dewan Harris was that in that game at a lot of times, especially when KU was going through some ruts and did really well in transition, weaving to the lane and, and finishing with some tough layups. Um, who's that guy going to be for Kansas? And the bench did not really give you much in that game, right? You got really nothing from the five man who came off the bench with Ernest Uday and Zuby Edgefer. MJ Rice struggled off the bench. Uh, you didn't really get a ton. Bobby Pettiford struggled off the bench in that game. Kansas is going to need more from the bench moving forward this season. Even if they don't play a super deep bench, you got to get at least something there. And certainly finding that third option, certainly tightening things up on the defensive end and the rebounding battle. Uh, will be key and that is a little alarming that you didn't have that super high effort level in that game that that seemed like to be the issue there but the fact that now you get Bill Self back and even though you went 4-0 he gets a chance to kind of get on the the team's case about effort level like that it's kind of a win-win in all regards uh, to a certain level And, and I said this coming into the game and I think it it rings true looking back on it that was a perfect letdown spot for Kansas. You're coming off the high of the Duke game, and like, how do you get back up for Southern Utah after beating Duke in a close come-from-behind win when you're also looking ahead to next week and you get to go to the Bahamas when it's super cold in Lawrence, and not only do you get to go to the Bahamas, you get to play these really good teams there. It was a very easy letdown spot, and I think that's what we saw. The hustle, the, the effort wasn't there, but I think Kansas will get that stuff cleaned up, and Jalen Wilson continues to look like a dude 
for Kansas this year. That's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Jayhawks. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we're going to be joined by Nick Schwert. We'll also preview some of the battle for Atlantis later in this week. If you have anything you'd like for the show to talk about or want to follow along on the action, you can reach out at D Johnson Radio on Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe to the show so you're getting all the latest with Locked on Jayhawks. That'll do it for today's episode. Have a good rest of your day. You can catch me on Rock Chalk Sports Talk on a KLWN and Lawrence later today. Deuces.